Maybe don't know. Maybe don't know. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 74 of the Power Company podcast, brought to you, as always, by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. I am currently here in Lander, Wyoming, but packing up and getting ready to head down to Denver for the Outdoor Retailer Trade Show, which frankly is screwing with my training schedule a little, and that's a little bit frustrating. But I do have some great guests lined up for down there and some good meetings, so it's going to be worth it. And you guys will obviously know about those guests relatively soon. And uh, speaking of my training schedule, it's been really nice to be back into a routine and start feeling strong again. And I wanted to say a special thanks to our patrons who not only support this thing, but are helping keep me accountable in my own training. Uh, It means a lot to have that. And I've been documenting my process over there with extra episodes. We've talked about where I'm at, uh, the assessments and measurements I've gone through. And then today I'll be divulging the nerdy details of my extra simplified training plan with them. And uh, we'll be talking through it and I'll be giving them progress updates or regress updates. I don't know what it's going to be. Um, hopefully they keep holding me accountable and it's progress. That's what I'm counting on. And uh, if you're interested in following along as well as extras from our guests, Q&As, and more, you can head over to patreon.com slash powercompanypodcast and join in. And for as little as a dollar a month, up to whatever you think this podcast is worth, you can help support what we're building. And we appreciate that. Thank you. Today's guest Justin Salas is an interesting case. Um, I drove down to Denver to meet with Justin several weeks ago and to climb with him. And Justin's a, a blind climber. And and I say that not wanting to define him that way because that's not what it is. Justin's a climber and and he climbs really, really well. And he puts a lot of thought into how to climb and how to climb around and I guess using um, his lack of sight. And it's really interesting to watch. And if you just met Justin, you know, in a climbing gym or whatever, wherever, you'd be pretty hard pressed to know that he's blind right off the bat. Um, He's not completely blind, but, but nearly. And and knowing that fact makes it even harder to sort of reconcile this idea that Justin's blind and he climbs this well. But that's our own misconceptions. That's our own ideas uh, and just a misunderstanding. So it was a really cool session for me to get to watch Justin and see Justin and, and try to understand how he processes things. And then talking through it afterward was fascinating. So if I keep talking now, I'm going to tell you the whole interview. So instead of that, I'm just going to jump into this with Justin Salas. And so when you feel that hole, you're not just feeling the hole, 
you start noticing all these little subtleties more so than just like looking at a rock climb and thinking, hold, 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 hold. backtrack a little bit because I definitely asked a lot of questions while we were out there and you were crushing me on the tension board. Right. Um, and I think a lot of those questions are things that people should know. So, so I'm going to do some backtracking for sure. Um, Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so just to tell everybody how I kind of got hooked up with you and a little bit about your story. Um, my friend Tim Foote messaged me and said, hey, I was just in Scotland and I was shooting this event and there was this guy there who is crushing and he's blind. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, well, explain that a little bit, you know? Right, sure. And I looked into you and was like, whoa, I have to, you know, I need to reach out to this kid. So, right. In fact, I remember pulling over off the highway and sending no you a message on, I think on Instagram, Instagram or Facebook, right. one of the two. Like, hey, I, you know, let's figure out when we're going to be in the same place at the same time because I'd love sure. to get you on the podcast. Yeah, I, I remember getting that email and being like, no way. Power <laughs> Company's trying to do a podcast. I was pretty blown away. Been listening to the show for quite some time now and was really psyched. So cool. I thought it'd be really cool to get the opportunity to do, to do this. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you doing it like yeah being, yeah absolutely being so stoked to do it so tell me tell us a little bit about your story you're not completely blind no. but you're you're legally blind right and how did that come about how you weren't born blind so when did that happen yeah so i uh i lost most of my vision when i was around the age of 14 um it ended up taking um quite a turn when i was 13 i had an mrsa staph infection um which was hard to adjust i had about a year in between this surgery to remove um this infection from my hip to losing my vision so it was already kind of a start um and then started losing my vision around the middle of my 14 years um and then as soon as Oh, it's probably in the summer. I started noticing a change, um, started noticing a little bit of a shift in my vision. Like I remember looking at the moon and thinking like, looks kind of strange. Like there's a, a spot missing from it. Hmm. Um, just little, little things here and there. Um, I remember riding my bike, um, in my town with a friend of mine and there was this huge sign. Um, it must've been, it was the size of a building. It was a massive furniture store sign. Right. Um, we were riding by it. I always knew what it looked like. I always knew what it said. And I told my friend, hey, dude, I can't see that sign anymore. And he kind of laughed and was like, whatever, dude. Like, I wow. think huge, you know. Um, and I was just, we, we didn't even think too much of it, to be honest, because, you know, I didn't think, you know, I didn't really know what was going on. Maybe I just needed glasses or something like that. Right. Um continued on that was the first time i really noticed something happening um and then it just continued to get worse it would i'd have better days and i'd have worse days um 
And then eventually it got to a point where I was like, mom, I need to go to the, the eye doctor again. Like something's really strange here. Yeah. Um, I remember the eye doctor being like, yeah, something, something, something's funny going on here because you're pretty normal to begin with. And now you're seeing around 2200 visual acuity, which is around about where the, the phrase legally blind comes from. Right. Um, cause you can, um, be under that and still considered like pretty all right. Like they can give you glasses and you'll be driving in no time and stuff like that. Gotcha. Um, but as soon as you hit like 2200, you're considered legally blind. And that was the start of it. Um, it continued to get worse well after all that. And they ran all the tests in the book. I think I went to a dozen doctors, all kinds of specialists, CAT scans, MRIs, um, contrast scans, a whole bunch, you know, the whole nine yards. I, I think I even had a, a, a specialist tell me it was stress. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, he said, you know, go home, de-stress. De-stress while you're going blind. I, yeah, exactly. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I told him, well, I'm stressed because I'm going blind. You know, something's wrong <laughs> yeah. here, you know. Um, and they <laughs> said they didn't know what it was, but it's not going to get any better, basically. Oh, man. Um, they said you'll never go completely blind, um, like no vision at all, but they uh, they don't know how bad it'll get. So is it still deteriorating? Yeah. Can you... And you yes. can tell year to year that it's changing? I wouldn't say year to year. I would say it, it takes, I mean, it's taken, I've been visually impaired now for 10 years. Um, and it's only decreased a little bit. It's pretty leveled off at this point. Gotcha. And um, at that point, I think it's probably tough to even tell when it's deteriorating when it happens. Yeah, it's like it's slowly, all bad. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like, you know, I have a 20, 20 year old daughter and watching her grow up when I see her every day is harder to notice that she's growing up right until i see a photo from three years ago and i'm like holy shit right you know for sure so it's probably tough to tell if it's happening yeah it's slowly. like it, at some point when it gets so as bad as it has gotten for me i think i'm hovering around like having 90 percent of my vision gone out of the out of the center of my vision right. my peripheral vision still works um a little bit it's a little bit worse than like an average person's but um at some point, I just it all kind of blends together, right? So, what can you see in the center of your vision? Are you seeing light and shadow? Are you, you know, can you make out form and shape? Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, it's like I called it entropy for the longest time. Right. I, I guess I still call it entropy, but it it's essentially like if you were to like the old TV. Some of the younger people may not remember this, <laughs> but like if you were to yank those analog cables out of the back of a TV. See, I go I go way before cables were yeah. in the back of your TV. So <laughs> yeah, I'm still kind of right in the middle of those. Um, but yeah, if you were to yank those cables out of the back of a TV and yeah. it goes gray and everything <laughs> went fuzzy. Yeah. yeah, it's like multicolored in some sort of strange way, even though you're kind of seeing this gray grayscale yep. fuzziness it's like that gotcha. um i can i basically can't see anything through it except for like if i get really close to something i can kind of like see lines and contrast and shapes through it but hmm. i mean maybe a little bit of light but for the most part it's like almost completely gone and then how much or can you even put a, a number or, a percent, or percentage on it how much of your peripheral vision is there and how good is that peripheral yeah. vision? I mean, it's pretty normal to 
at least from what I can remember being what I used to be able to see. Right. Um, I mean, obviously you can't read like a book <clears throat> out of your peripheral and right, it's pretty right, reactionary sure. based. Um, I think that's why um, I kind of come off as someone who can see so well because when you have your peripheral, you can kind of still navigate pretty efficiently. Sure. Yeah. Um, and like even when someone were to, th- if someone were to throw something at me from my side, I flinch because I can see an object moving. Right. Um, and so it's kind of, I kind of put off this vibe like I can see until inevitably I run into a wall or something like that. Um, <laughs> you do put off that vibe for sure. <laughs> and, and I bet that's disarming a little bit for a lot of people. Right. Like I think, uh, yeah. oftentimes <laughs> like normal, I don't even know how to phrase it, but a lot of times people are, they act differently Right, for sure. Around blind people or deaf people or, you know, people who have whatever impairments. Right. Um, And my guess is that you don't get as much of that because you do come off as someone who sees just normally. Right. Like it doesn't, if if no one had told me, if I didn't know that you were blind when you were walking in, I'd have had no idea. For sure. Yeah, it's almost a two-edged sword, mm. though, because I can put off that vibe and people can think I'm, like, perfectly fine. Yeah. Until I come into a situation where it's, like, I need to actually explain. Sure. And then they're just kind of, like, bullshit, dude. Like, right. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. And it's I'm, like, real. no, I'm serious. Like, I need help here. And it, it happens sometimes when we're outside. I'll be climbing with just one other friend and maybe he'll go go off, you know, to another block or something like that. Oh, right. And I'll be, I'll have memorized the route, but um, I'll be trying. It's kind of low ball, you know, I don't necessarily need a spotter, but I'm trying this. And then, you know, for some reason, I'll miss a hand or miss a foot. And they're just kind of like, okay, right. Like, how did you, it's huge, you know? Um, it's got a huge tick on it. How did you miss that? And I'm like, oh, could you guide me to this foot? And they're like, okay. And then what I have to mean? start explaining it to them. Yeah. Um, oh, and that's really interesting. Yeah, it's really <clears throat> strange. And then they're just kind of like, yeah, and it, you almost don't get taken seriously. And it happens a lot, you know, if I'm in a store or something like that. And I'm kind of like looking at things and I can't see what's going on. And then I go to pay for it and I can't see the machine or right. um, all this jazz. And then they're just like pretty taken aback by it i guess so yeah i've had i've even had like some negative reactions toward people that's like almost turned off like i'm like trying to be you're mean. fucking with them or yeah, something absolutely yeah oh man yeah i could see that for sure that's, yeah it's really that's weird. a tricky thing to navigate so like at the school for the blind they'll teach you to always have your cane with you so i always have my cane with me but gotcha. i don't always get it out um but like if i'm crossing a street or like off on a solo mission just around town i'll get yeah. my cane out even though i don't need it necessarily to like sure. get around yeah I, I still need people to understand that like something's different for me like mm, i can't really, see the world the same way you do yeah that's a really good point i wouldn't have thought of that yeah absolutely that's really interesting so when did climbing come into the picture yeah uh so climbing started i think Pretty early on, I think I've always really known what climbing is. Um, a friend of mine started working at the cl- local climbing gym maybe a year to six months into m- losing my vision. Um, but at the time, I had still, like, I wasn't trying to give up everything that I once start- once did, things like BMX and soccer and paintball and stuff like that. Um, right. So I was really focused on trying to still master these things, trying to, like, go through the process of, um, adapting, so to say. 
Um, and then, you know, he continually was like, come to the climbing gym, come to the climbing gym. You right, don't need to right. see to climb, all this stuff. Because when you have the bug, you want everyone else to catch Absol- the bug No, too. yeah, I'm doing the same thing now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, tr- come on, just try it. Um, and so eventually, you know, reluctantly I went with him. Yeah. Um, and I had a blast, you know. It was it was really cool. But, you know, er- early, early on back then um, – the gym was really expensive because they weren't doing monthly membership. So it was kind of a yearly thing. Right. Um, they ended up, um, I don't mean, I mean, it was way too expensive for me to afford me and me or my family to afford. So kind of just tossed it by the wayside. But, um, I found out later on that a lot of the guys that were going to that gym were, uh, not paying anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, I think everyone just kind of set for their memberships back yeah, then. And, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But I, of course, didn't know that. So I was sure. like, yeah, whatever. Um, so I went back to doing whatever it is that I was doing at the time. Um, and then eventually, I don't, I don't exactly remember how we kind of circled back to climbing, but it was two friends of mine and I just we would we were pretty outdoors orientated people we liked hiking and mm-hmm. backpacking camping all that jazz um we ended up going back to the gym just to try it out and i was just hooked mm. i don't i don't know how what far the, had your vision gone at that point it was completely it was like as bad as it is now right um i had gotten pretty used to my vision at this point and um I mean, I was pretty comfortable with it, always knowing that, you know, my buddy Nick would always told me you didn't need to see to climb. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I think I didn't appreciate it, that, you know, back then. Um, I, I guess I just didn't really know what I was getting myself into. But, you know, coming back with a fresh mindset and kind of wanting to try it more for myself, it was like this light bulb went off, like, holy shit, you really don't need to be able to see to climb, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um so I have to ask when you're in a, and I'm asking this because we were just in what I think I can safely say is probably the like the best situation for you. Where oh yeah, <laughs> where there's bright lights below the hold and it's a contrasting grid, so you can kind of tell where the holds are placed. Oh yeah, very um, symmetrical. Yeah, easy to memorize. Yeah. So in a regular commercial gym, how does that? work like i imagine you probably started out just by grabbing whatever holds are there but pretty quickly it comes to i want to do specific problems so how did that work right off the bat yeah um, how did it not get so frustrating that you were like fuck this right well it was interesting because i mean i think i almost started in an ideal gym for someone transitioning from like a non-rock climber to a rock climber to not only that, but being visually impaired or blind. And then thinking like, man, these will, I mean, our walls really aren't that tall. I, I think like our, our like sole bouldering room, like the tallest wall we have is like 10 feet, but it's overhanging, you know? So it's yeah. like not very tall at all. I like, think TBA small. Right. Um, and so <clears throat> it wasn't too bad for me to like start memorizing these things. And I would just ask people around me, Hey, what color are these? T- you know, is this black, black tape, white tape, red tape, all that jazz. Um, and eventually I just kind of remembered the sequences. Um, and so, you know, I was obsessed. I would, I would go six days a week and just thrash myself. Right, I just right. couldn't get enough of like what was happening. I stopped doing really everything else like BMX and all that stuff that I mentioned. 
um, and just like solely devoted myself to climbing. And it was funny because the two guys that I went with kind of expected us to all three go at the same time. Like that was the bro day, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but I lived so close to the climbing gym that I was like, I was, you know, when I wasn't at the gym, I was bored. So I was just like, can I get a ride to the gym? <laughs> or I would like call another climber that I met. I had no idea who he was, but I was like, you guys want to go climbing? And everyone yeah. was always psyched. You were that annoying kid who was oh, always, yeah. <laughs> always bugging everybody to go to the gym. Yeah. You know, imagine what those guys were thinking. Oh, this blind guy wants to go rock climbing, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I ended up just like spending, you know, most days of the week there and getting to know a bunch of people and all the route setters. And um, eventually I learned like a way for myself to climb kind of on my own and learning our walls, all the different grips and um, kind of like almost like memorizing what certain colors looked like on certain walls so that I could, you know, for sure think like, okay, if it were, if we're climbing on our 35 wall, blue looks like this on this wall or red looks like this on this wall. Um, And so eventually I was kind of able to figure something out that worked well for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, if it was like too much for me to figure out, I would ask somebody. Um, And so that kind of developed into me basically just spending most of my days bouldering. I didn't really like rope climbing. I didn't really have much of a rope climbing partner, but I just found it way more taxing to go with a partner, have him call out all these different holds. Right. Way more to memorize. And then, so I just, you know, picked up bouldering because I fell in love with like the hard moves, pure movement, cool sequences. Mm Mm-hmm a lot more like crazy stuff that suits my kind of more physical style of climbing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it was kind of after that, a matter of figuring out like, man, if I don't have very many holds on the wall, there's not a lot to memorize. So it sure. almost lended itself more towards like hard climbing, climbing than easy climbing. Cause if there's easy, if you know, if it's an easy route or an easy boulder, there's tons, it's just shotgun with holds or feet. Right. And, I prefer not having very many of those. So it was just like, yeah, go from this hold to this hold and then that hold to the finish hold or something like that. Right. Um, and so I, I progressed pretty quickly because it was just, it saved energy for me to stay on these shorter, harder boulders than get on a rope and climb an easy thing that I would get pumped out on early on. Mm-hmm. So early on, I had like no stamina. <laughs> well, you know, and I imagine that by bouldering and having that the luxury of, you know, falling off and being able to start over or try a different problem. And throughout a night, you know, six days a week in the gym, you're doing thousands of different moves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so so you're building up this, this movement library much faster than someone who starts on TR and oh, is yeah. pretty much just climbing a ladder of jugs for the first, yeah. you know, however long. And I'd say even for me, it's like, it's almost like file cabineting, file cabineting these moves, if you can call that a thing. Yeah, yeah, I was curious about that. And, and I, and I want to get into that um, a little bit after I kind of hear about how climbing all took shape, um, because I think it's super interesting how you must catalog all these moves right. together and and memorize the precision of all these moves right you know but so 
Do you have regular partners now? Are there guys that go out with you normally that kind of understand what it is you need when you're outside or when you're in the gym or whatever? Yeah, for sure. Um, Most of the guys that I climb with at the gym nowadays are like, we all kind of climb at the same level, so to say. So Mm -hmm. some of the guys definitely are way stronger than I am, but I'd say like because of my visual impairment, it almost lended itself to... um, getting stronger quicker because i have to pause in between all these hard moves and i have to like i'll lock off on these small holds for a lot longer than yeah a a sighted person that can just like go to this bad edge and then as soon as they hit that edge it's like they can immediately see where to go afterwards but i'll hit that bad edge and you know look up nothing's there so i have to like look around and find the feet and then wait for someone eventually or if i'm by myself feel around um yeah, watching you on on the tension board tonight, you you climb with a really relaxed tension and a lot of tension. Right. Like you're you can definitely see that I mean, you're a sloth climber. We talked oh, about yeah. that a little bit. Super sloth. And, and I'm a sloth as well, so you know, we were like kindred spirits out there. Oh yeah. <laughs> not wanting to jump. But but I don't want to jump because it's it just doesn't suit me well. Right. Um, jumping for you, I imagine there's another component to moving with momentum and moving right. dynamically where I can see the hold I'm trying to latch. Right. And the especially the first time you're going to a hold, going dynamically is always a blind move for you. Oh, always, yeah. You it's know? a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, we we talk about oh, there's the, this blind throw. Yeah, but it's always a blind throw. For always me. a blind throw. And yeah, that's terrifying to me. Yeah, it's like this kind of. I remember for the longest time, like even when I lost my vision, I would still go longboarding, like downhill longboarding, and I would just follow <laughs> a friend or like riding my bike. Um, and like BMX culture, you don't ride with brakes for bar spins right. and things like that to make it easier. And so I'm like trusting my friends to like do this <laughs> and to bomb these hills and all this stuff. I don't stuff. have any friends I trust that yeah. much. <laughs> um, but when you know you're kind of forced, you're just like, I'll trust everybody. Um, so you just, you find yourself gullible, you know, just like you should try this or like, um, oh, it's not that bad. You got it. I've seen you do way worse and all this stuff. And so yeah. you you find yourself just like, Someone mentions, hey, this this climb, you know, it's cool. It's got a huge dyno in it. I'm just like, okay, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, and so, yeah, those moves are, I mean, I love dynos. I love big dynamic movement and um, it just so happens I really suck at it. It takes me a long time to memorize like how far away that hold is or like. Yeah. Well, you did several giant moves that I didn't do tonight. So. <laughs> I mean, by the skin of my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so what? That It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. You're still doing them. And I think it's cool that you can pull the trigger that way. So I, I imagine it takes a little extra to pull the trigger. When yeah, you, I mean. When you don't really know what you're launching for. There's definitely like a leap of faith, I would say there. Yeah. Especially like in competition setting, like my collar, I'm like fully trusting that my guide is going to tell me exactly where to go, especially if there's not so many big moves in adaptive climbing because they try and cater to people that, you know, maybe their collar isn't the best or like maybe these bigger moves are more difficult, which they inherently are for blind people. Right. Um, Sure. But so you're not going to find like these crazy horizontal dinos and like these one, two moves or anything like that. It's all pretty sloth climbing and or like you know, pretty chill. So do you spend any time specifically working on like locking off and, 
you know, spending a lot of time on small holds or is it just something that built up over time and I mean, become good at it? Yeah, honestly, it just kind of like was already there. Yeah. Which I think honestly, into. a lot of blind climbers and a lot of maybe even adaptive climbers, that's like something that's lacking for them because hmm. they find success in, and I'm not going to say all, all adaptive climbers are this sure. way, but I'd say like most new adaptive climbers find success easy in TR or like top roping and stuff like that. Right. And so they kind of stick to what they know and what they, you know, they, I guess this is like true for any climber. Yeah, Um, totally. I mean, that's why I don't like big giant moves because I've stuck to what I know for so long. Yeah. And I'm guilty of the the same thing. Um, And so I find that especially in, you notice, or at least I've noticed a lot of, of my peers in these adaptive um, leagues and other adaptive climbers that they don't have the same lock off strength that I do, or a lot of the <clears> same, like taking small hold ability or the same, uh, contact strength. Cause they don't, you know, they don't like that stuff. It's not right. enjoyable to do. Um, but I just eat it up. So I find that I do, uh, you know, progress so much faster because I mean, it's my style. It's what I enjoy doing, but because I'm using it in a way like most bouldering and like moon board or tension board climbing, it just like developed a lot quicker. Yeah. And so I think it's really important for, you know, not only more climbers to boulder for sport, but specifically for like adaptive climbers to spend a lot of time bouldering, especially blind climbers. Cause they get, you'll get so much stronger. Yeah. Pausing on these small holds. So blind climbers bouldering, what's the fall like? How does, like how do you judge where the landing is? I mean, and and this maybe this is a stupid question. I, I mean, know. no, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I guess I never thought about it originally getting into it. I was just like, you got to fall, okay, you right. know. Um, but I think that was just part of my childhood being like, no one really gave a shit that I was blind, you know. <laughs> yeah. Not that they, you know, not that it was. Um, they didn't make it a big spectacle, that, right? You know, that yeah. You were, there was a change. Justin went blind. So what? You're still going to come ride bikes, right? Right. Um, and so I was always accustomed to just like taking hard falls or learning by mistake. You know, I've mm-hmm. always been that way. And so I think as a BMX rider, you kind of have to. be. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, specifically like running into the back of parked cars and stuff like yeah. that. You're just like, oh man, I'm not going to do that again, or try not to. <laughs> um, and so, you know, falling is kind of a, a, among the same thing, you know, it's, it's if you come off of a boulder, you just wait for the fall, you just wait for the ground to show up. And so in some ways, it's almost lended itself to being safer of a fall because mm. you know, I don't get all tensed up, you know, right. when I'm falling, I'm like, look at the ground and then get tensed and then prepare for it. It's kind of just like limp noodle falling in the air until you right. hit the ground and then you go feet, you know your feet buckle and then you land on your ass and then to your back. And so Mm. it's not like super bad. And then I imagine, you know, back to the reliance on partners. I know you've spent some time up in the park. Yeah. And for me being able to see the landings up there. Oh, the landings are terrible. They're so bad. (laughs) (laughs) I've only bouldered up, up in the park a day or two days. Yeah. And, adjusting to landings after climbing in the southeast where the landings are all perfectly flat and super cushy. You, know, you just lay down a yeah. huge stage of pads and everything's great yeah you have a nice gym floor yeah and the 
in the park it's horrible so oh yeah there's like jumbled talus and you're trying to like arrange the pads in some sort of way to make it work yeah does that ever get into your head knowing that the landings are worse oh yeah especially at places like lincoln where it's just talus and like big blocks behind you yeah that was my first day bouldering at altitude was in lincoln in lincoln yeah And it was bad. And the approach probably kicked her out. The approach yeah, was super me. bad. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I, I'd well, say the, like... Coming out wrecked me. Coming out's always the worst. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, almost mm-hmm. like especially like because it is all talus, my, I use tracking poles like Hanes. And right. so my tracking poles are constantly falling into these holes of talus. Oh, and so it's hard to like feel the tops of the rocks God, and thinking like, think okay, this that. is where I'm stepping. But instead I'm like like post-holing with my trekking poles and like stumbling around because, you know, have, carrying a bunch of pads and camera stuff. And so you're like, oh, it's like a, quite the spectacle to just like watch me <laughs> stumble around uh, Lincoln. And then we even went out there with Carlo once and he was showing us around. And uh, I just remember my friends being like, man, it's so hard to keep up with Carlo. Like he's literally hopping from boulder to boulder. And I'm like, wait up, you right. know? Yeah. <laughs> Wow, I didn't even think about the hiking through that shit. Dude, it's it's definitely like I've learned a lot from approaching, but it's also been hard because I have to adjust my legs so much that Mm -hmm. I've had like a a little bit of an ankle issue, a knee issue on my right side from always adjusting my knees and ankles to these like oddly shaped pieces of rock. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but to get back to the falling question, yeah, I, I mean... At the end of the day, I feel like it's just trusting your spotters. Like, I guess anybody would. Yeah, totally. Um, you just like lay out the pad, set them up the best that you're, you and your crew think that it's going to work. And then you're like, you guys got me as soon as you step off the ground. Yeah. And I know you talked about this once in one of your podcasts. I don't exactly remember who it was, but it's almost like as soon as you step off the ground on our sport climb, you got me, right? Right. Like, yeah. You, Make that decision yeah. before you leave the ground. For sure. And then you don't have to think about it up there. A- absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that, that's I mean, cool. It's kind of double. It's kind of like double for trusting your spotter and trusting that he's going to tell you where, where the holds are. And it's almost like more like confident boosting because you can, you know, he's engaged. Like, I know, like, my exactly. friend Matt is always watching me. Yep. Because I, I know he's he has to watch me to tell me where the next hold is or the next mm-hmm. sequence. So I know that if I come off, he's not paying attention to like some other thing. Right. He's like ready for me. Yep. That's good to have for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's good to have for a, a person with full sight as well, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We need that too. Yeah. I think sure. like anybody could learn like, and yeah. I know I hear a lot of people doing, you know, they don't necessarily call beta for them, but they're like, oh, you know, they're watching them all the time and telling yeah. them, okay, bite down here, dude, you know? Yep. And if you always have that person watching you. like Yeah, it's knowing a lot, that person is just as engaged as you are is yeah. big. Yeah, and it's it's tough, honestly, for me to climb nowadays with people that I think are a little bit less attentive. Right. Um, not that, you know, I'll still go climb with those people, but it's harder for me to trust someone like a big tall block or something like that where it's like i need your utmost attention right now dude (laughs) yeah totally yeah for sure oh that's crazy um so when you're climbing outside like for instance in the today on the tension board you could make out some of the holds because of their contrast because of the grid pattern and yeah it's pretty ideal when you're outside can you make out any of the holds or shapes Oh, man. That's a good question. (laughs) Um, Or is it all movement? It's pretty much movement, I'd say. Um, There are some things that it's like 
pretty straightforward. Um, like Airwolf and Indian Creek, for instance, is a big pillar. Right, you're, you're slapping just, up. You just it, squeeze yeah. the whole way until you get to the last move, which I fell off of. <laughs> oh, that thing is tall. <laughs> Super tall. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it, it was a big like dead point move to a side pull jug, which is not a hard move, but I didn't know where it was, nor right. could I see where the chalk marks were for this thing. Right. Just like fell off the top of it, flying through, you know, flying through the air, hoping it's like, when is the landing going to come up? Oh, you know? man. <laughs> um, but yeah, for the most part, it all blends in so well, especially here in the Colorado and at the park on yeah. granite that that chalk, that stuff does not take chalk. Right. You could brush tons of chalk into it and it would just like, yeah, right, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and so especially like some of the newer developed areas or places like Lincoln and stuff, like maybe in Emerald Lake, there might be more chalk on some grips, but. So the chalk helps you sort of define where yeah, holds are. Gotcha. Well, you know, I say that sometimes there's like all these different pieces of lichen or like different color oh, sure. structures in the rock. And so I might think that that's rock and I'll put my foot on a white, whatever it is, you know, piece of lichen or something. And there's nothing there. And I'm just like, right. oh, I thought that was the foot or something right. like that. Um, but like in Arkansas or like even like a Joe's Valley where there's like um, really vividly colored rock with white chalk all over it. It's super mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. But oftentimes I find that um, there could be like chalk all around the hold and only a little chalk on the hold because the hold could be small enough that people would just slap to that area so right. much. Right. So it's not not very accurate. It gives me just like a rough idea of where the next hold will be. Yeah. And you're climbing at a pretty high level. So you're going to you're going to encounter that kind of stuff a lot where there's a ton of chalk and a tiny little hole. Oh yeah. All the time. (laughs) (laughs) Never fails, man. Uh, So yeah, most of the time is all like pure memory I'd say. And it's nice. I've, I've kind of lend myself to climbing like kind of the shorter, uh, shorter blocks. I like, I love high ball climbing, but it's harder for me to memorize right um, these things so i ended up buying a ladder like a telescoping ladder yeah and i'll haul that thing out to the crag in my crash pad carrying like this close to 100 pound load once you like <laughs> stuff the ladder inside the big pad and then stuff your camera in there and food and all your day stuff and humping it out there um, and then when you finally get out there you're just like i'm glad i brought this thing because you know you're up high on this thing able to figure everything out yeah Rope and you can a lot and too. you can kind of memorize those positions just by going up touching the holds yeah seeing where they are sure. in relationship to each other yeah i mean i've i guess i've i've only really been climbing for almost three years now so not super long but um i kind of know for my body type okay if the foot's here and this hand's here and this other hand's here then i'm going to be in this box right you're going to do this type of move yeah that's yeah, really sure. interesting yeah and so like do you, when you're visualizing that, when you touch a hold and you know a foot's here and you know the next hold is here, do you visualize yourself doing the move? Like, is That's that how question. that works? No, I, w- I wouldn't say so. No, it's different. It's almost like a feeling. You know, I don't think about like, you know, I, I've never been able to see myself on a rock right, climb. Right, Or like, I mean, I can watch video like, okay. Mm-hmm. But I, can, I can't really see like what the small details of that looks like. Um, so oftentimes if I know that I'm on like a right hand side pull and there's a right foot facing me, I know what that feeling is like. Yeah. And so <clears throat> it all kind of like wavers on feeling for me. Yeah. You said that today when we encountered a move, you were like, I don't, I don't really know this feeling yet. Yeah. 
you know? And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it's and almost computer in that sort of way. Yeah. It's like I haven't downloaded that movie. It's like Super Matrix. <laughs> right, right. And you, you wrote an article recently about Will and Roland's concept P-O-E. of POE, yeah. position over everything. <laughs> did you hear that first on the podcast? or did I did, you, yeah. Did you heard that before? No, I haven't heard that before. Cool. Yeah, it was cool to hear that because I was telling uh, you and Will earlier today um i'd always know i always knew what that concept was yeah but i had never had like a quantifiable like phrase or word for what was right. happening because i you know we all encounter like the perfect way to do the rock climb and it feels easy mm-hmm. you know you could come up to a v5 and do it first try and you're like man was that v5 that felt so hard because you broke the sequence and right. you like didn't use all the holes and stuff like that um but, you know, you can brute strength your way through a mm-hmm. lot if you're like a, a fit person. Um, but, you know, I can't really do that because I spend so much time pausing in between moves um, that I find myself needing to find every single perfect position. Yeah. And so whenever I heard that, I was just like, no way. Like that makes so much sense and got really excited about it and started like thinking more like, okay, how can I start actually thinking about this more as opposed to just like, you know, being kind of in my subconscious and using it that way. Right. So it was really interesting to like actually hear that. Yeah. I, I thought the same thing. I had told people for years to not climb from hold to hold. Yeah. You know, people tend to look for the next handhold or look for the next foothold or whatever. And I had tried to talk to people for years about don't climb from hold to hold, climb from position to position. Right. And let the hold dictate what position you're going to be for sure. in. Yeah. You know, and and the, the relationship between the holds. Mm-hmm. Um, so having those guys put it into position over everything just the, the whole poe concept yeah and it's kind of a catchy thing so yeah. you can remember it pretty well <laughs> yeah it made sense and they're fun guys so they yeah make absolutely it, you know they make it relatable yeah so absolutely i thought that was really cool yeah for sure so this is a really stupid question that just popped in my head a second ago do you call it on sighting <laughs> yeah oh man Blind sighting? Blind sighting, yeah. No <laughs> sighting? No sighting, yeah. All the sighting, less <laughs> we're, than sighting. We're going to call this episode, don't call it an on-site. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I like it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I joking, I mean, it's kind of funny you say that because I jokingly call if I do an FA, I'll be like FBA or first blind descent, right, you know, right, yeah. like FFA or something like that. Um, of course, it's kind of meaningless, but it's kind of funny just to be like FBA. Yeah, um, I, several years ago, I tried, I blindfolded myself and climbed this V4 boulder problem that I had done a million times, yeah. you know, just to see how it felt. And and it wasn't a whole lot different because I had the positions dialed in and I understood the positions. Right. But I also had the benefit of seeing it first and climbing it a bunch right. with sight. So. It'd be really interesting, and I might do this when I get home. Try just try blindfolded for sure, blindfolded climbing, <laughs> you know, and not ever see the problem I'm trying. Yeah, just, yeah, and I know really uh, Paul Robinson talked a little bit about that. Um, how you know when he first started rock climbing, he like superseded everybody in the gym and all the routes at the gym, so he had nothing left to do but come up with his own things. Or he talked about blindfolding himself Mm. just because he was like this is i need another challenge so i'm going to blindfold myself 
and that's like it was amazing to hear that like okay well no wonder he's like as strong as he is now because man you know what a what a way to like step it up a notch i mm, thought interesting so. yeah i had done it with crack climbing yeah, crack like, climbing would be really, really fun. I mean, it is yeah. a lot of fun. <laughs> I had done it as a way to, when I touch a crack, you know, start to understand what sizes it is and what yeah. jams it requires and what gear fits it just by size. Yeah, like instead of looking down at your rack looking. and being like, I think it's this. Yeah, and and just as a just as a way to practice. Yeah, you know. So, but I've never really tried it. Yeah, I mean, sport climbing or bouldering or in the gym or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's a great way to start noticing more things like micro beta and, um, like, especially when you're getting into the hard boulders or routes. Like, you're not just looking for, like, okay, there's a flat edge there because maybe that flat edge is piss and there's only right. like one way to take that edge. And so, when you feel that hole, you're not just feeling the hold like at a gym, you know, it's just a hold, there's nothing more to it. Um, but outside you can find all the subtleties you can find all the pieces of grain that take your fingers in certain ways you can find like the tiniest little divot that helps you grab this edge like a little bit better than you thought might be there so there's you start noticing all these little subtleties more so than just like looking at a rock climb and thinking hold 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 right did you did you take that same sort of approach into bmx and all the other things that you did when you had sight yeah, for sure. Well, I say that. I was more after I lost the vision. I think like, I mean, my world got like turned upside down, sure. not only for the bad, but for the good. Sure. And you um, hear that people who've lost one sense get heightened other senses. I don't know how sure. true that is or if that's something you can feel and tell a yeah. difference in. What's well, funny, I was having that conversation on the way up here. Um, we were talking about or someone asked me the same question and I, w- I was thinking like, you know, I don't know if my hearing's necessarily gotten any better because oftentimes I'm like, what? You know, I find myself <laughs> like everybody else. Yeah. But I think the difference is I'm listening for everything. Like I'm noticing a lot more things than just like, I guess I just am more attentive, if that makes any yeah, sense. Like, sure. So I'll, like if I'm uh, in a tent or like even just listening to rain I don't just hear rain I'm figuring out every single raindrop that's hitting every surface around mm-hmm. me um, I'd, I mean it probably has gotten so a your awareness better. is super heightened yeah I mean to some extent <laughs> yeah you're like Spider-Man now yeah in some sort of way <laughs> until I run into something you, you know look really dumb <laughs> no I think that's I think that's really cool having to climb by feel yeah. You know, all the time. For sure. And yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun, you know. it's. A, I feel like in some ways I'm a little bit more lucky because, like, I know a lot of people climb boulders specifically because they're beautiful. And I agree, like... Yeah, I thought about this on the way here, too. Like, have, have you ever been inspired? I mean, Airwolf is a perfect example. Oh, yeah. Like, what caused you to want to go to that boulder Dude, i don't know like i saw the video because of it's chris gorgeous, doing it yeah you know? and i was just like i have to climb it you know like i don't care how hard it is it could be v14 or 15 i'm still gonna go throw myself at that thing for a week or two um and then i finally got the chance to go we were a buddy of mine and i were going to joe's finally got the chance to go out that direction and i hit up uh connor griffith and um asked him hey dude do you know where this thing is and he's like oh yeah it's really easy you just go here and here it's like are you serious 
I always thought it was this mystical thing where you had to hike forever <laughs> and it was like, you know, you had to pay the troll toll and whatever. Right. Um, and so we, you know, we get to um, Indian Creek and it's just on the hill. I was like, hmm. this is actually happening. So when you, when you see a video or when, even when you see Airwolf in person, what, what we are seeing is this really striking bright orange, double arete, huge huge awesome pillar thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and i assume that it helps because there's the contrast of the perpetually blue indian creek skies right. and the bright orange rock and oh, then, yeah but what are you seeing in the video like can you tell in a video that it's this striking feature or does it I mean, I can tell for the most part, like in my house, I have a huge 27 inch monitor that I can zoom in on and I can zoom to like letters of the size of like three or four inches. Gotcha. So I can zoom in really far um, and I can, for the most part, pick out, you know, things that I want to do. It's easier for me to honestly like look at something on my computer than it is to like walk to the crag and like stand far back and like appreciate the beauty from afar, so to say. Right, right. Um but I mean, I can't really tell. I wouldn't be able to tell you like what the hold is like, or right. Um, I'll just have to ask like, what does that hold look like in that video? I was like, does that look doable for me, or something like that? <clears throat> yeah. Um, and when people are describing it, like your caller, for instance, when you're climbing in comps, how do they describe holds? Is it the same way every other climber talks? Just typical beta that you hear yeah, out at the crag or is sure. it something different? I mean, it's a little bit more specific kind of towards just what me and my buddy Matt kind of like worked out. Mm -hmm. um, it's like the most streamlined version of, you know, calling beta or whatever. And in competition, we're not actually allowed to call beta. Right. Um, like he couldn't tell me, oh, use a heel hook or get a knee bar there. Or like, you know, these little subtleties that he could see that I might not be able to. Um. But, I mean, so it it would be like instead of using the the time system or the clock system, I know a lot of climbers really enjoy right. using that, and it works well like for this them. Hold is at ten o'clock, yeah. Kind of thing. yeah. And we do that occasionally. I think like mo mostly when we're standing on the ground, approaching a boulder or something like that. Like I'll ask what degree the hold itself is facing, right? Or like what time, what clock shape it is. And I did that a little bit with you, I think yeah. today. Um, but when we're climbing, it's like, especially like at these harder things, um, it needs to be as quick as possible. Cause I do have, you know, an ample amount of strength and strength, stamina, power, endurance and stuff like that. But when it's at my limit, it has to be as quick as possible. Sure. And that happens a lot in on-site climbing on like the world cup and no stuff like climbing. that on no site climbing for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we'll do a lot of like left hole or left hand up and right um or like a cross you know we can't i guess we couldn't say cross but like um we try and like just make it as streamlined as possible um so like, he can give you some information in a competition just not beta yeah no beta so gotcha. it would be like um your right foot is up by your knee in 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 you know lower 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 up 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 um it's like these little incremental changes. If I oftentimes I can find, and I've I've done a, like a decent amount of route setting, and so I'll know kind of what the route setter was thinking, so to say, right? Um, just because I kind of understand the process, and so thinking like, 
okay, well, the climb's putting me in this position, so I'm going to slap my foot over here, and oftentimes it's close right. enough that he'll be like, okay, good, but it's lower, 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 lower. Oh, you're almost there. Your heel, it's like next to your heel, and then I'll know exactly where it's going. Yeah. Um, and this all happens very quickly, and it almost sounds frantic listening to my collar, but for me, it's like we're working really quickly to like get up this thing. Sure, sure. And I know I'm kind of jumping around here, but you keep saying things that, lead me in other directions. Um, <laughs> yeah. So when you, like at your home gym, I'm, I'm assuming there are multiple setters in your home gym. Do you learn their sort of oh, yeah. library of movements the oh, same yeah. way that you learn yours? Yeah, I know like my <clears throat> buddy Chris, for instance, loves underclings. Mm-hmm. And like he likes doing cross moves and stuff like that off these underclings and likes really tricky beta. And you know, there's more to it than just, like if I see a Chris line, I'm going to be like, well there's more to it than what I'm looking at or what I'm feeling. Right. And so then I know like, okay, try it a little bit different. And oftentimes that's the way it works. Or like my buddy Armin, for instance, will he likes setting really powerful moves off of like really tiny edges. And so, yep. you know, if I, if someone tells me, oh, an arm and climb is over here, then I'm going to be like, okay, cool. I know what that's like. Um, and so I all, you know, I kind of bookmarking their styles as well. And like Matt, for instance, my, my guide too, he likes jumping and, pinchy jumping moves and dynamic style climbing um and so like if i if he has set something i'll know like okay i know what i'm getting into yeah cool so you said earlier that you sort of catalog movements and and you know sort of delving into this world of poe since now we have a term for it. And, oh, yeah. And you've been thinking a little more about it. How does that cataloging work for you? Like, is there, have you worked out a system in your head or something? Or is it just sort of still this big one giant file drawer that you pull out of? I mean, I think the latter, maybe. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's really hard to articulate, like, efficiently. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm struggling through it with you. Yeah. So. Um, it's, I guess memory is a funny thing and how it works. Cause like, I think my buddy Matt and I also had this conversation that you, we think about it so much, it becomes a long-term memory mm-hmm. and short-term memory. You'll forget because right. obviously it's short-term memory. But if you like are visualizing movement over and over and over again, or like do the rock climb over and over and over again, you'll start documenting it a lot more and it gets into your long-term memory. Right. And then you can, just kind of pull it out of nowhere or kind of out of thin air in your head. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've gotten into the habit a lot of climbing, even if it's like a limit boulder for me, I'll do it again. Or like I'll I'll come back and do it again over and over, documenting these movements. And I think it's helped my climbing quite a bit. Oh, I I guarantee it. Yeah, Um, yeah. You know, there's a, we, we use a drill a lot for most of our clients that we call perfect repeats that, oh, nice. you know, you find a moderately difficult problem for you and you yeah. just keep repeating it, trying to make it a little bit better each time, a for little sure. bit better each time until it's as close to perfect as you think you can yeah, make yeah. it, you know. And th- one of the points of value in that, that I believe in is that you're really committing that you know, that library of movement into your file. Right. You know, and and next time you encounter 
these hold positions relative to each other, right. you'll know exactly what to do and you'll be able to pull it out of that file perfectly. For sure. You know? And I think one other thing that goes <clears throat> into that, like climbing something perfectly is I hate hearing my feet hit the wall. Yeah. It's like a pet peeve <laughs> of mine. And so like, I mean, it's kind of a joke that every time I say, oh, I heard your feet, you know, be quiet, quieter with your feet. If yeah. someone climbs something and I can't hear their feet, they're like, okay, Jay didn't hear my feet hit the wall. I must have climbed it well or something like yeah. that. And I think that's also attributed a lot to, you know, my growth and climbing so quickly was I hated hearing that sound of, you know, or like I didn't want to tear up my shoes or what have you. But um, you climbing something perfectly also means like, I don't want anyone to hear me climb this thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, and I think you've been sort of forced into the harder part of that and kind of learned yeah. it by just because you had to. And that's the idea of moving from position to position and understanding that it's a, a game of positions yeah. rather than going from hold to hold to hold, right. you know? And I think that's so tough for people to learn. Right. Um, and I think doing problems over and over really hammers those positions in. For sure. You know, kind of forces them into their file mm -hmm. folder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where most people would send a boulder problem and walk away. Yeah. And you hear people say it all the time. You like, do. I'm never doing that again. Yeah. You know? Or even like I, I, I'll hear <clears throat> friends say like, or they'll flash something and I, you know, I'm struggling on it because I can't find the holds up top or whatever. But if you ask them, dude, how did you do that thing? Right. I have no idea. Right. I just like got into the flow state, knew where the holds were, somehow it worked. Right. Or maybe they did it by the skin of their teeth and somehow they got up it, but they don't remember it. But I could tell you exactly how I did the mob back in Fort Gibson, Oklahoma, you know, mm -hmm. and like how to take the hold and all that jazz. So it's really interesting, like climbing with sighted friends versus, you know, me climbing and we like are back and forth and like, learning a lot from each other and stuff like that. So it's really cool. Yeah. Is there some sort of, um, when you're, say you're working on a project right. and you're, you know, you spend some time falling off the third move and then you spend right. some time falling off the fourth move and then the fifth move, how projects go. Does it get for you? I assume that it gets easier and easier and easier, just like it does for everyone for else. Sure. Is there, you know, explain that sort of, flow to me because it's it's all positional for you it's right. all movement for you and we still are relying a lot on if i want to hit that little hold perfectly i need to you know i need to be looking at it i need to not turn my head away when right. i go to the hold you know i don't know if you're familiar with rodney mullen he's a um skateboard wizard from way back in okay. the day. Yeah, maybe not. And he talks a lot about moving his eyes to different places to make things work. Like instead of okay, instead of paying yeah. attention to the gap that he's going over, he mm -hmm. he moves his eyes to shifts his eyes to the landing and yeah. then, it's, then it works. Well, you hear about that in slacklining too. They tell you to look at a point on the other side of the line as opposed to looking at the line because right. then you start wobbling all over the place, yeah. but I can't do that. I suck right. at slacklining. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so how does that work for you when it's... And, and I, I know that it's all movement, but is there a way you've come up with to articulate or describe that sort of everything's flowing perfectly? Yeah. Well, it's like I almost feel like it... Like it's almost like no rock climb outside is awkward 
if that makes any sense. That totally makes sense. I'm so glad you said yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> there's... A, there's awkward ways to do it. Yeah. But if you find the way to do it, it doesn't feel awkward. Yeah. Nor does it oftentimes seem painful. Um, I mean, of course, sometimes there are those razor blade sure, cramps that sure. you're just like, oh shit, like I can't believe I'm doing this. Yeah. But um, I find that like I'm listening a lot more to the tendons in my arms and fingers and, you know, the muscles and like, does this move hurt or like, why does it hurt? You know, like, what am I doing wrong to make this hurt? Or like, what am I doing wrong that it doesn't feel flowy? Oftentimes, if I find that a rock climb feels super flowy, then I feel like I'm doing it right. Because, you know, you just kind of like follow these patterns on the rock or the the way it yeah. kind of lended itself to work. Um, and then like, you know, doing the first, you know, like if we're going to like start at base one, you know, you're doing the first move out of these bad holds to another bad hold. Um you eventually find that that feeling of like, okay, it's working well now. Like, right, at that first, perfect path through yeah. space, the, the perfect position to end in and to finish in, yeah. to start in and to finish in. For sure. And like, you know, um, you know, you're not just going to like dead point snatch this hole and you need to like pull on, drop your knee. Like if you were going out of two underclings, you'll like drop your knee and like do this like circular motion with your hand because you're so close to the rock. You can't just like snatch it. If you right. were to like snatch to it, you'd have to like lean back from the rock and like shoot up to it. And then if you snatch it, you're going to like jerk your head backwards. But if you like pull in really tight and do this like circular motion, then you know like, okay, this doesn't hurt anymore. It's not hard on this hand. You know, there's yeah. all so kinds of... So you're breaking of, all these moves down into all their little parts. Every, like every single little thing I can think of. Yeah. Which is a lot of fun. Yeah. It's super fun. And I think it's super important for people to learn. And that's, you know, going way back to the beginning of this conversation, that's one of the things that you don't learn top roping in the gym. For sure. And oftentimes sport climbing in the gym. Right. It's so much easier to learn that bouldering when you can step off and and really analyze what just right. happened and then try to recreate those little things or make subtle little shifts right. uh, to make moves work that didn't work before. Yeah, for sure. When it's funny, cause it, it, it's funny that oftentimes you hear boulderers say like, yeah, I've been bouldering for so long and now I'm going to sport climbing and I'm just stronger. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's true that, you know, if you spend so much time bouldering and Tommy Caldwell says his favorite way to train for big wall stuff is bouldering. Mm -hmm. And it, I think it's, it lends itself quite a bit to, uh, every other aspect of climbing because you develop these like really strong fingers and you develop like a plethora of movement and all this stuff. Um, but, you know, for me, I'm not just learning like, or I'm not just gaining strength and power. I'm like documenting all these moves and I'll find them in routes. And yeah. then... And your problem solving skills get exponentially better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially like in the the uh, non-site style of climbing yeah. or on-site climbing. Um, <laughs> I like non-site. I like that. That's good. That sounds good. Yeah. Non-site. We need to post that to the IFSC. Yeah, totally. It's no longer on-site attempts, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I think that it, it's helped tremendously, especially like maybe if Matt even forgot to mention something when he's calling, which he rarely does because he's really good at what he does. Um 
well, I'll just kind of know kind of intuitively that if I'm in this position, surely there's a foot over here somewhere. Right. Or, you know, maybe I'll just like swipe my foot around in a circle for a, a couple times and yeah. surely it can, it can cost like a little bit of stamina, but I could find it. Maybe he's not focusing on that foot per se or something like that. And I'll end up finding it anyway, just because I've like, oh, I can see what the rat sitter might want here. Oh, sure enough. Yeah. So that's really interesting in that in that aspect. Oh man, that's super cool. To unpack a little bit, something you said earlier when you said there are no awkward climbs outside. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's really important. And it's one of my big pet peeves in the gym is that I hear people constantly saying all the time, that's really awkward. That's <laughs> yeah. really awkward, you know, and, and it's down talking these problems. Yeah. And more often than not, the issue is that you just haven't found the way to do it. Yeah. Um, everything you don't know how to do seems awkward. For sure. And I almost mean, like is putting the route setter down because surely right. they didn't. I mean, they, they weren't trying to make an, a bad problem. Yeah. You know? And so, <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm sure they had several people forerunning this thing yeah. of all different sizes thinking like, yeah. yeah, I didn't think it was awkward, but they of course knew how to do it. Yeah. I guess and, is the thing. Yeah. And I, I would encourage people. And I think I've said this on the podcast before, though I've got so many episodes yeah. waiting to go out that who knows if it's buried in one of those. Right. But I would use that as an opportunity. Every single time that comes out of your mouth, use it as an opportunity. Because right. I still say it like, whoa, that move was awkward. Yeah, I'm let me Let me see well. if I can find a way to make it not Absolutely. awkward. Yeah. You know, let me try to find what was intended or a way to make it flow or whatever. Yeah. You know, that's the opportunity there. So if you, the next time any of you out there find the words that was awkward coming out of your mouth yeah <laughs> reframe it and and just know that i'm gonna slap you across the face yeah. <laughs> if i'm standing there. chris is looking for you so try to find the the better way to do it yeah try to find the flow in it and i also think yeah. that i mean to help even route setters like if there's an if they have a new person on their team you know don't just think of it like oh, this person's new, he sucks. Yeah. You know, that's not any helpful. Like criticism is, it can be hard to hear sometimes, but I think it can be helpful for the public to, you know, in those little suggestion boxes or whatever, talk about maybe it, maybe it actually was awkward. Maybe this hold was designed for a more overhanging wall and the hold was sharp and maybe injurious. Sure. And then, you know, put that in the suggestion box instead of just being like, it's too reachy. Or yeah, like, and have that conversation if you can. Yeah. You know, if you know the setter, Ask them, you know, what did you intend here? Maybe maybe they're intending a move that you don't know yet. That yeah. You haven't downloaded into your file. <laughs> yeah, for and, sure. And it's it would behoove you to learn that move. Yeah, and then you're you helping know? each other grow and the community's growing and I don't know. Yeah, I mean, really I, I have a distinct memory and I've probably talked about this on the podcast too. I'm going to run out of stories eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's going to gonna start making shit up. <laughs> <laughs> but I have this distinct memory of I was a tratty... I went to Joshua Tree with my friend Justin. Oh, yeah. And we went bouldering, and he, like, turned his foot and sort of front pointed into this crimp that was facing away from us. Yeah. And, you know, kind of koala'd into the crimp yeah. with his foot. And I had never seen anyone do that because in the gym, everyone just sets for, here's how you're going to step your foot on the hole, right. you know? And I hadn't bouldered much outside, so I'd never encountered that situation. Right. And, I got so excited when I saw him 
use his foot that way because I'd never seen anyone use their foot that way. Right, yeah, yeah. And if it had been set in the gym and I saw that, I'm like, I'd have been like, this setter's stupid. You know, right. the foot's turned <laughs> yeah. the wrong way. <laughs> what are you doing? You know, <laughs> so I think use it as an opportunity. I think yeah. that's great. And it sounds like that's something you do all the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think at our gym, I mean, Tulsa's got a pretty small rock climbing community, um, especially at our gym. We all know each other pretty well. And so it's easy for me to be like, this was awkward. And then run to somebody and be like, how do you do this? Oftentimes, you know, it's something I overlooked or didn't feel something I haven't downloaded. Or maybe it was actually awkward, like we were talking about and thinking this hold wasn't right. Or maybe you need to, if you turned it just a little bit, it would feel really good. Yeah. Um, and so, like, it, I think it just helps, you know, each other grow and helps, like, oftentimes there's a little bit of animosity between rat setters and their and the clients or the, the rock climbers and yep. um i think it can help mend that and sure you know in like a healthy way as opposed to just like hashing it out of like who's stronger or whatever right <laughs> totally totally so is there i don't want to take up too much of your time and i already appreciate you you know making time out of your trip to do Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Um, I'm stoked that it got to happen and, and that we got the session together. That was super fun. Yeah, I got to come to Tension um, finally. Yeah. Cool All, all cool sorts place. of things today, man. And um, is there a place people can find you online? Yeah. Um, you can find me at justinsalas.com. You can find me at Instagram at justinsalas93. Um, Facebook, Justin Salas 93. Justin Salas. If you just, there's, there is another Justin Salas out there. Uh, you were in, art of entropy for a while. For a right? long time, yeah. Yeah, huh. because today I was trying to tag you in a post and I was like, why is it not coming up? Yeah, for sure. And then I just typed your name. I was like, oh. I was having a lot of people <laughs> like, you know, telling me, what is entropy? And I'm like, oh, I have, you know, that's a long story how Explaining we got to this. And yeah, and so yeah. it ended up being easier. And I've noticed a little bit of like an, influx of people like interested just by googling justin salas and it shows yeah. up there's another justin salas out there who's an mma mma fighter oh really he goes by j bomb and so i'm like <laughs> i want to meet this guy at some point being like you're a badass oh <laughs> uh, that's awesome yeah i'm sure Super he's cool. gonna think you're a badass so. cool yeah hopefully yeah so cool man thanks for sitting down with me I yeah absolutely chris yeah that was really fun for me um it was really good to see and not necessarily surprising but it was it was good to sort of uh, confirm that the way that we teach climbing here at power company climbing are the same sort of processes that justin uses in order to improve his climbing and i feel like sight is something that we not only take for granted but maybe we rely on far too much and becoming a better climber in huge part is about understanding your body better and be, you know gaining a better kinesthetic awareness uh, and a awareness of how your body moves and moves through space and I just think that's huge and it was really cool to see that that's what Justin goes through as well so thanks to Justin for sitting down taking time out and thanks for coming over to tension to climb with me it was really cool to see your process and to be a part of it i appreciate that and thanks to the guys at tension for letting us record over there letting us session over there uh tension headquarters has essentially become power company headquarters denver um for me i've recorded i don't know four or five episodes over there now so uh super fun to go and see those guys and i appreciate all their support 
Um, you can find Justin online at justinsalis.com. You should definitely go check him out. And Red Bull, if you're out there, Justin really wants to be a Red Bull climber. You guys should reach out. You got a good one there. So if any of you know any Red Bull people, hit them up. Send them this way. Uh, if you guys have not yet, sign up for our newsletter. Uh, comes out in a little over a week. First one coming soon. I'm excited to see what Nate's got in there. I know a few things because I have my input, but I'm pretty much in the dark like the rest of you. So um, go sign up for that thing. You can go to powercompanyclimbing.com. There's a banner at the top of the page. You can sign up for the newsletter. Um, I don't know what's in there. We'll see. And if you want to become a patron, if you want to help support the podcast, we try to do as much as we can over here. Maybe I do too much. Um, but if you want to help support it, you can do that at patreon.com slash powercompanypodcast. And for as little as a dollar a month, up to whatever you think this thing is worth, please go over there and support. We appreciate that hugely. And the other thing you can do if you want to support is share this thing on your social media. Those shares, especially on Facebook, meet a ton. They mean a ton to us. And that just gets the word out. And the podcast is growing. We've seen big growth already this year. And I think that's great for a niche little podcast like we are to be putting up the numbers we are is impressive, but I'm looking for a million downloads this year. So I need your help. I need it big time. So thank you guys again, powercompanyclimbing.com. Find us on the social medias at powercompanyclimbing, including on Pinterest, whatever that is. And one of these days I'll get around to figuring that out. And uh, you can look for us. On that Twitter machine, you're not going to find us on the Twitter machine because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles.